0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Hi, welcome to Breaking Bread. This is the show where we explore food through culture, conversations, and a whole lot of curiosity. I'm your host, Lo Jun, a food writer and recipe developer from the Gin & Tonic blog. Every week on this show, we dive deep into an aspect of food in Malaysia, from speaking to chefs and restaurateurs about their restaurants, to exploring the origins of certain dishes, to geeking out over tasty discussions with food friends or experts. Before we dive into this week's episode, I have an announcement to make. Breaking Red is taking a break. We've chugged along steadily every week for over two years now, so it's high time for a bit of a breather. So we'll be taking the next few months off to recuperate and refresh ourselves as well. But fret not, we'll be back in January 2022 with new episodes and a new seasonal format. Now on to this week's show. Our guest for this episode is Lincoln Lee. He's the co-founder of The Rice Inc, a social enterprise that's looking to start a rice revolution around the world, improving the livelihood of farmers and upping the standard of the rice industry as a whole. We'll be hearing from Lincoln about how The Rice Inc started, the good work they've been doing with farmers in Southeast Asia, and what the future holds for them. So without further ado, here's Lincoln from The Rice Inc. Hi Lincoln, welcome onto the show. Hi, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Thanks for, thanks for coming on today. Um, but yeah, just, just to start with, uh, I know there has been um, a, a bit of a buzz around your company over the past two years,
0: but for those who are not familiar with uh, Rice Inc., what is it all about? Yeah, sure, thanks. Um, so Rice Inc., we're a social enterprise that's basically focused on changing the rice industry, in particular tackling smallholder farmer poverty and the waste that occurs. So up to 70% of smallholder rice farmers uh, in Southeast Asia are still under poverty and they can waste up to 30% of the rice before it gets to plate. Um, It's due to a combination of lack of access to agriculture tech um, and also a very convoluted supply chain and a very fluctuating commodity market. So we hope to be able to break this cycle Ah, uh, by giving them access to the proper agritech um, and trying to connect them direct to markets, farmers direct to markets, uh, so that they can be able to uplift themselves out of poverty. Mm, right. I, I can tell
1: already by your description, you're very in tune with your uh, with your company philosophy, and and that's probably like to do with the start or the beginning of uh, of Rice Inc. Because the genesis of this company was from the Hout Prize, right, and and your pitch for, for that. Can you tell us like a bit about how that came to be?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so the Halt Prize is basically a social enterprise competition for uni students around the world. Um, so this was back in 2018 when we were in university. Uh, and every year, the competition is hosted by President Clinton. So he announces like a challenge for them to solve. And in our year, it was to harness the power of energy to impact 10 million people by 2025. So, because our team was from Southeast Asia, we really wanted to do something that was relevant to our region, and we sort of, I th- I said we would sort of like stumbled upon the problem of rice. I remember it was very late at night. It was like a week before the first like pitch, and we had not like we didn't have anything to show for it yet. We were stuck, mm. and we sort of saw an article that said eighty percent of rice is wasted before it gets to plate. And I remember it's quite funny because like, it's like 2am and my co-founder at the time, he basically just like, what, like, how can this be? Like, we eat, I (laughs) eat rice every day. How can 80% of it be wasted? Um, And we've later found out that that was, uh, the article was like false. It was close to 30%. But that still proves to us that it's a huge problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's like thirty percent is still a pretty high number, considering like how many people eat rice in the world, right? and 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 how much that amounts to. Yeah, so from from there, I've heard about this whole journey of like how you pitch and then you you how and how you got funded in the beginning as well. But since twenty eighteen, how has your journey been, and how does the rising look today? How, how is it different from that initial seed of an idea that you had?
0: So I think uh, what the the rising today is very different from rising back then because uh, I think back then we we sort of understood like only one facet of the problem. Like we knew that okay, farmers lack uh, some farmers lack mechanization and that's why they waste a lot. So we just got to give it to them, and that's going to happen. But then I think as we progressed, we started to realize how every issue is connected to one another. You know, you you have things like. they sell to after they use the processes right just because Mm. they get more doesn't mean they get a higher price for it you get the depths that they have uh pre-harvest that they take and that gives them pressure to sell fast you get the fluctuating commodity market and so we realized that there is no one-size-fits-all solution um and you have to sort of like you you can do what you do best like for us it was sort of providing them the um agritech that they need but you also have to start to do more, you have to work on other parts of the supply chain, which is why we went into, okay, can we get them, can we find them a better market? Can we connect them directly to the market? Can we help them sell better? Can we help them uh, get a higher price for their products? And all these sort of other things.
1: Mm, yeah, and and the rice industry in each country is is very different, right? And you started off, and you, right now as well, you are predominantly
0: working with farmers in Myanmar, am I right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So we started off uh, in Myanmar. Uh, and that's when we realized that when we tried to go to other countries, how different each country was. It's like a totally different mm. landscape. Yeah, so
1: I was wondering like, how did you pick Myanmar and, and why wasn't a choice uh, Malaysia, since a lot of your teammates, you
0: guys are from Malaysia, right? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. Uh, so when we, when we first started, we focused on one aspect of uh, the supply chain, which was the drying of rice after harvest. So how rice works is after you harvest, you need to dry it, then you, you can mill it or you can store it to mill later. And after that, mm. it's the rice you buy from the supermarkets. Um, so we focused on drying because we found that a lot of farmers in Southeast Asia still use sun drying. Uh, so this is okay, but it's very laborious and can sometimes cause a lot more wastage downstream when you mill uh if you don't do it properly. So and it's also quite stressful for the farmers because it's like we hear stories of like them staying awake for like five days and five nights because they're afraid it rains or some animal comes to eat it or something. So um we basically wanted to provide them a rice drying service with biomass powered rice dryers that would be much faster and more efficient at saving the losses. Uh and at that time when we tried to explore could we implement it in Malaysia, we quickly realized Uh, at the time that the target area that we went to, uh, they had already moved past sundry. So because in Malaysia, the industry is more regulated, so farmers, they basically don't need to process it after harvest. They can just hand it off. Um, And so we realized there wouldn't be a market for it. So we actually consulted with the International Rice Research Institute, um, and they recommended that we check out Myanmar so that's sort of like what started off this journey uh and we went there it was I think right. a, a year later we found out that maybe we were looking at the wrong region of Malaysia <laughs> so yeah so that's always something to keep in mind right
1: right which region was that yeah just out of curiosity which region were you looking at in Malaysia and, and are other regions
0: uh, really different then uh yeah I think we we initially looked at the rice bowl of Malaysia so like Kedar, uh farmers over there and that's where you get like because like that that they are essentially like the backbone of the agriculture industry in Malaysia. So the government has uh, regulated it quite well, uh, and quite heavily. So they the post harvest processes isn't really in the control of the farmers. So and that's why we realize they don't sun dry anymore. So there's essentially not a, the product uh, the service isn't a fit for them. But we realize that in other parts of the world, like you get more like artisanal farmers, like in Sabah and Sarawak, uh, and there the farmers themselves they don't just dry but they harvest and sometimes they even mill it and package it and sell it themselves so where the farmers have more control then we realize that the service might fit over there in a better way then
1: right 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 yeah so right now you are in uh Myanmar and are are there other countries that you're working
0: closely with as well uh so we we we're predominantly in Myanmar we have worked in uh I guess Vietnam a bit but we realized that I think in the future, we'll probably be looking at Malaysia, which is why I brought up that we realized, oh, maybe there, there is a, a fit here. We just have to like look a bit harder.
1: Yeah, mm, yeah. so I, I guess with uh, you... Wanting to start, like I guess, a, a rice revolution, right? As I've I've heard uh, a lot of times from many articles that oh. <laughs> that you guys are in, but um, yeah. So so that is like a very lofty goal, and I see. You know, you have a very well set up like three step process that that you want to put in place. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that and and which step of the process are you in with Myanmar? So, yeah,
0: our three step process is. I guess, quite straightforward. So step one is we realized we needed to give farmers agritech, but we also needed to create a market for their product. So we basically sell our rice under a sustainable brand called Patty uh, and we reinvest those profits to help the farmers get sustainable agritech, like the dryers that they need. Um, And then step two is once we have enough volume, we hope to source direct from the farmers. So basically connect them direct to market um, and that will help us provide them, give them a fairer price. Um, but it's still limited by the fluctuating commodity market, which is why we need to go to step three, where we we think that if with enough sort of like consumer demand for sustainably and fair trade sorry, direct trade produced rice, we will be able to basically engage in. I think this happens a lot in more developed economies like the US and Australia, where you farmers get sort of contracts ahead of time. So they get to engage in contract farming where if you grow the rice a certain way, you know, you're going to get this price and that gives them like more of a security instead of the climate now where it's like, you're not sure how much you're going to earn when you sell it because the price can go up and down and it normally goes down during harvest because of the supply and demand. Um, So, so yeah, so that's sort of like the three step process in Myanmar. uh, We were in step one, uh, giving them the agri tech. And we're hoping to move to step two. We actually piloted a bit of step two in Malaysia just to see, like, can we connect people direct to market? Um, and we realized that we would, uh, I think right now, we, in, for, for Myanmar, it, we have to put a pause on that because of the current political situation there. Um, but that's why we're looking like, can we implement step two somewhere else?
1: Before we continue our conversation, we are going to take a quick break. Stay with us. You're listening to Breaking Bread on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Breaking Bread. Let's pick up where we left off. I've been speaking with Lincoln Lee from The Rice, Inc., We've been talking about his journey from Halt Price Glory to his current day progress. But now we're turning our focus to the products they're selling in the UK as well as in Malaysia. So you were saying how you started like a, almost like a pilot program in Malaysia with, with this direct-to-consumer brand that is called Paddy, right? And yeah, I, I saw that you started selling rice in Malaysia. And can you tell us a bit about
0: the products that you are selling and different types of rice that you have? Yeah, so uh, it really started off uh, with a conversation with a lot of different individuals in the rice industry, especially from like, I don't know if you've heard of her, like Dr. Serena from uh, Kazana. So she she's basically like, a, yeah, she's like a, the expert on like all things food and rice, especially. Um, and she basically told us to look at, after hearing about it, she told us to look at Sabah and Sarawak. Um, and we realized that actually that's a very big untapped opportunity there um, because a lot of the farmers there, they grow very special types of artisanal rice, but they get very low farm gate prices for it um, due to like a lack, it's a combination of like lack of knowledge, access and like sort of uh, expertise on how to leverage the product that they have properly. And you'll find that if you go to shops right down the street you find their products retailing for about like we found like up to 10 times the price that <laughs> that they get like on the local markets there right um it's normally closer to three of uh, three times in like commonly but you can find up to 10 times um and there have been people who have been working on it uh quite extensively like i'm sure you've heard of langit collective It, right yeah, yeah yeah so so it's very community-based projects where you try to basically connect them direct to market and try to get them a higher price for their product so you can then pass on that uh, premium to the farmers. Uh, And I think that's what we tried to do, although it was in the middle of the pandemic and we soon realized the challenges of operating within a pandemic like that. (laughs) Um, But I think our approach was sort of, we were looking at, I think we were looking at testing step two, the connection part, but we are trying to figure out how can we also implement like that first step where it's not just about like helping them sell, right? Because like, you can just sort of package it and then like put it for a higher price and give them a higher price. But what you'll find is that, sure, they might get like that extra like 10, 20% that you give them higher. But it, I think what really helps them is if you can sort of instigate a change within the society, like, like step one is really about like giving them the tools that they need so that they don't actually need you anymore to implement step two and three after a while. Because if they have the proper agri-tech, they have the proper tools, then the farmers can actually take it upon themselves to start their own brand, you know, like start their own company. Uh, and I think that was sort of like the approach we took, which we think is a bit more scalable, where if you give everyone the tools, uh, then they would be able to sort of like uplift themselves. Right, right. So I, I guess all your, the the three products, the three rice
1: that you have are from Sarawak then and and working with these farmers right now they're actually from Sabah (laughs) oh yeah that's cool and yeah I I think it's a uh as you said it's like a testing step and and you're trying to see where it goes over the the next few months right but at the same time this party brand of yours you're also selling rice in the UK where you you and your team are predominantly based right tell me a bit about the products because they are different they are not the rice from from Sabah that you're selling in Malaysia right yeah so where,
0: where are the rice from yeah, I, I would love to sell rice from Malaysia all the way there, but I think that would be a bit of a challenge getting <laughs> in there. Um, I think so. So actually, how, how it works is that a uh, Patty as a whole, we mainly retail and sell in the UK. Uh, and I'll go into the reasons for that. But basically, it was taking the profits we got from there and reinvesting it back into the infrastructure work, for example, in, in Myanmar. And Malaysia was sort of a test where we realized, okay, we, we know we want to do step two in the future. Can we test it out somewhere? That, uh, that where we know like there's this sort of, there's a, I guess like a higher demand for a direct to market uh, product, which is why we tested it in Malaysia. The reason we went to the UK in the beginning was because uh, we realized that we would need to tackle a market that was a bit more receptive to paying a premium for sustainable products, like sustainable food, which is more common in the West than Asia, to be honest. Uh, like you get a lot of like uh, sustainable milk, uh, proteins and and things like that. It's been a big movement there, so we decided to tap onto that um, and to to basically see can we get consumers to pay a premium for the product so that we can then take that and pass it on and reinvest into the into the infrastructure.
1: Mm, right. 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 Yeah. So, what
0: are your longer term plans for for Rice Inc? So yeah, I think the long term plans are in twofold. We we hope to be able to move to uh, step two in terms of like where we basically build enough volumes in the UK to actually source direct from Southeast Asia to the UK mm. uh, with the farmers we work here. And I think we're going to expand on the first step where it's the the, techno- the agri-tech that we look at. We don't just want to be limited to dryers. We want to look at like what other aspects of the supply chain can we expand on. Um, one thing that in particular that has been pointed out To us consistently is that everyone it is quite interesting everyone wants to help the farmers but no one actually helps the people around the farmers you know like uh your what the people who give the farmers the fertilizers who sell farmers products who give farmers loans um all these sorts of uh people are actually the people that sort of have the like if you help them they have the impact to drastically improve uh the outcome of the product and the farmers livelihood So we actually been we actually been thinking like, well, can we actually take a different approach and look at these other players around the industry as well? Yeah.
1: Mm, And a lot of these other players uh, around the industry will be part of the governmental administration as well. Right. So are you looking to go more into
0: that direction then? Uh, yeah, I think in Malaysia, they definitely are part of governmental organizations. Uh, I think it's a mm. mix of private and public sector. Right, uh, right. Yeah. So, for example, I think you have, like, for example, some seeds and fertilizers will in Malaysia for rice will be distributed by the government. Some, but, like, pesticides and other things will might be distributed by local, like, private own, privately owned companies. So, uh, I think we are looking to see, like, is there a solution over there, like, a problem over there? that we can solve that actually will have a follow-on effect for the farmers. Because a lot of people are working for on the farms, but no one's... I mean, very few people look at, like, how can we help the people who actually control what goes into the farm?
1: Right, right. And, and you're looking at the Malaysian market to, to
0: tackle next, is it? Yeah, I think uh, we sort of, like, learned from the past where uh, in entrepreneurship, it's always easier to do it where you're based. Uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so that's one lesson we definitely keep in mind so we're definitely looking to see how we can do it in Malaysia. Mm, yeah yeah and all all the best with uh with
1: improving and starting a rice revolution in Malaysia. Um but I guess right now for Malaysians who wish to find out more about you or, or keep updated about what what you guys are doing or maybe even buy some of the paddy products that you're selling where can they find you?
0: Uh so they can go to our website. Uh it's com um and or you can check out our malaysian uh, like beta site which we are still testing it's paddy.com Mm, cool yeah and I guess uh, one
1: final question uh, almost like a bonus question sure. um, where do you think you are at in the journey of impacting your 10 million people by 2025 as your help
0: prize uh, mandate is yeah I, I think maybe we we got like uh, a one-year extension due to COVID <laughs> um, but... <laughs> yeah that's fair that's right fair. <laughs> um, so I think considering the amount of uh, farmers we've helped we've probably helped only like a couple of hundred to a thousand at the moment, including their families. So I think to really help 10 million people, we would need to s- scale up drastically. So we're hoping that, uh, you know, I think what we've realized is that effect is exponential because we, we, we counted like the amount of farmers we helped. That number was in comparison to 10 million, it's not that high. But then we started counting like the amount of rice we saved, we've helped them save. And we realized that that amount of rice can actually feed over like a million meals. Right, so if you if you if you count it like that, then actually you're making a dent because we realized if you can make even a dent o- on the wastage, right, of even like one percent of the yeah. entire rice industry, it's a lot. Um, so I think we realized we had to shift our perspective because when we counted one farmer, we were like, oh, we'll probably have to help <laughs> like every single farmer in Southeast Asia.
1: Um, uh, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you guys are doing an amazing job, and and I can't wait to see you grow over the next couple of years as well. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end of our interview, and I know there's a lot of. Uh, amazing stuff that you guys are doing and, and the story that you're on is like really interesting so for listeners out there who are looking to find out more do read up about them check out their their sites and even buy their rice so thank you so much again lincoln for coming on the show and sharing with us
0: all right thank you are nice to be here
1: that's all for this week's show to listen to more episodes you can find us on itunes spotify or on the bfm app and if you're hungry for more food news and fun recipes you can keep up to date with me on instagram i'm at jun Antonic. that's j-u-n dot a-n-d dot t-o-n-i-c as mentioned in the introduction this will be the last episode of breaking bread for this year we're taking a three month break and we'll be back fresh and hungry in january next year so i hope you eat well and live well in the next few months And for the last time this year, this is Jun signing off. You've been listening to Breaking Bread on
0: BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.